Voice of St. Louis original podcast. This is the STL All Local Podcast. I'm Michael Calhoun with the St. Louis news you need tonight. Our top local story on this Tuesday, March 7th, with Missouri's Attorney General already announcing he'll appeal the judge's ruling on the Second Amendment Preservation Act that it's unconstitutional. We asked our legal analyst, Brad Young, what he expects to happen. Brad Young says even during the appeal, SAPA cannot be enforced in Missouri. First is whether Missouri could even pass this law at all. The judge ruled that Missouri couldn't because of the Supremacy Clause. Under Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, the federal laws and the Constitution are the supreme law of the land. So since the Missouri law conflicted with federal law, it was deemed to be unconstitutional. But secondly, and this is the part where I believe the judge got it wrong, and this will be reversed on appeal, is that the judge ruled that the entire Second Amendment Preservation Act is unconstitutional. Young says that second part, state officials are not required to enforce federal laws. Maria Aquina, KMOX News. St. Louis City's population has continued to decline over the decades, but it's getting near a danger point if it drops below 300,000 residents. Well, because the city of St. Louis is a city and county. Uh, our population determines the funding that we get, um, whether it's from a federal level or from a state level. Neil Richardson is the president and CEO of the St. Louis Development Corporation. He says there are parts of the city where population continues to grow, but according to the latest sentence, census, St. Louis City lost 27,000 black residents, mostly professionals and those in the middle class tax bracket. Today is the election to cut the Board of Aldermen down from 28 to 14 members, but turnout is coming in extremely low at about 9% with absentees. Elections Director Gary Stoff says. Frankly, I don't recall that we've had that low. Polls are open till 7. The Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education released their annual performance report today, and it shows an across-the-board decline in standardized test scores. 112 districts and charter schools scored low enough to be demoted to provisionally accredited. The last full report came out in 2018 with only three underperforming districts. Desi says pandemic issues led to the decline. Opposition is mounting against a proposed homeless shelter for men in a South St. Louis residential neighborhood. It's being called a Walmart supercenter. For the homeless by attorney Aiden McNamara. He lives in the Carondelet neighborhood where it would go. Most of our neighbors are scared. I mean it's 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 a very difficult situation to be in to say we don't want to help the homeless, but also we don't want to, you know, risk our entire community and our kids and safety. Peter and Paul Ministries is seeking permission to put the shelter for about a hundred men on the old St. Mary and Joseph Chapel site on Minnesota. It would include some ex-convicts and possibly sex offenders, according to supporters. The question and answer session on the project is slated for Thursday afternoon at 4 at the Carondelet Public Library. Kevin Killeen, KMOX News. A plea bargain does not sit well with a victim's family. Murder victim family members had to be escorted from the courtroom today after they began shouting when a man accused of murdering two people in the Ville neighborhood suddenly took a plea bargain. 40-year-old Demetrio Bird was sentenced to 15 years in prison on lesser charges of voluntary manslaughter when he was about to be tried for first-degree murder. He admitted to shooting Clarence White III and Kelly Maddock in an apartment on Moffat Avenue in 2020. Bird's trial had been postponed twice before over delays by the circuit attorney in providing evidence to defense attorneys. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. Around the world, explicit images of children and teens are circulating on the web. Now there's a new tool to help those victims get some of them removed. This is Megan Lynch. Sometimes nude or sexual images are willingly shared with a girlfriend or boyfriend. Other times, kids are tricked into sharing by a perpetrator. 
The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has partnered with Meta and other platforms to create a tool called Take It Down. They pointed to that uh, image or video. It gets hashed, which is a, a nerdy way of saying we take a digital fingerprint of it. That digital fingerprint then gets shared with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Center spokesman Gavin Portnoy says then those digital fingerprints are shared with sites that have agreed to pull any already posted or prevent uploads of those images in the future. The platforms participating include Facebook, Instagram, Pornhub, MindGeek, OnlyFans and Ubo. Hear more about Take It Down Wednesday morning on Total Information AM. The KMOX business desk, the mayor of De Pere, says a new proposal in the Missouri legislature that would eliminate the local sales tax on groceries needs to be rethought. Mark Becker outlined his objections in a recent letter to State Senator Tracy McCreary, pointing out that local municipalities are not flush with cash, as some politicians assume. Becker says the revenue loss would be significant. For DePair, you know, it, the loss would represent 25% of our total sales tax revenues. Roughly half of this loss would be in the general operating budget which 70% of that is appropriated for police and fire services. The local sales tax on groceries generates approximately $3 million annually for DePair from four stores. He says when it comes to taxes, the legislature should, quote, leave the municipalities alone. As the news continues on KMOX, it is election day in the city. Voters beginning the process of cutting the Board of Aldermen down from 28 to 14 members. But we are getting word that turnout is very low today. Joining us is Elections Director Gary Stoff. I understand uh, it's at about 9%, Gary, uh, the turnout. What can you tell us? Well, things are going well, but frankly, <clears throat> turnout has been very low today. Not completely unexpected because it's a primary municipal election and with the approval voting any ward where there's either one candidate or two candidates those candidates regardless of the vote outcome are going to appear on the april ballot so i think that probably helped uh, keep down the voter turnout regrettably uh so hopefully come april when it's just two candidates unless there was only one on the ballot uh, that'll bring a greater turnout i hope yeah we uh we had those stories with you saying 20 what what was the <laughs> input that made you expect that and then you just you just touched on it a little bit but what what happened with that does this maybe change your expectations going forward well i don't think so for april <clears throat> i think the historically for a a uh, primary municipal election, we generally get around 20% or so, and that's the basis upon which I was predicting and hoping for the 20. But I, I think with the approval voting, there's the President of the Board of Aldermen is running unopposed. The Alderman in Ward 3 is running unopposed. There are two or three or four other wards where there are only two candidates. And so regardless of the vote outcome, those two candidates' names uh, will appear on the April ballot. So I think that probably contributed to at least some voters feeling like uh, it's not going to make a lot of difference today, so I'll wait till April, which I think is disappointing because all elections are important. And it's very much true now with elections being here in St. Louis. These are local, and the candidates that are ultimately selected to be on the Board of Aldermen, the new 14 Ward Board of Aldermen, 
those those folks will be making decisions that will affect all of us here in the city of St. Louis. So I had hoped for a larger voter turnout, but I think my hope is not turning into expectation. <laughs> and there's so much attention, it seems like, maybe just on social media and local news, but it seems like there's so much attention on these local level issues as well. Well, I think that's true. And in some of the wards, for example, the 12th ward, I believe, has five candidates. The 13th ward has three candidates. The 14th ward has four candidates. And in some of those wards, like in 14, you've got two incumbent aldermen running against each other, as well as against uh, another one or two opponents. And so regardless of the ultimate outcome, we're going to have 14 entirely new aldermanic people working with the president of the board and the mayor and the comptroller. And so they'll be making important decisions affecting all of us here in the city of St. Louis going forward. So, uh, like I said, I, I was hopeful that more voters would turn out for this election. I think it'll be a larger turnout in April because it won't be approval voting. It'll be two candidates, except in Ward, three, which only has one, and the president of the Board of Aldermen, which is only one candidate. But all the other wards will have at least, well, they'll have two candidates, and you can only vote for one in April. So I'm thinking that come April we'll have a much better voter turnout than we've had today. Any issues or insights um, with some of the more logistical parts of the day? Like, for instance, uh, the, the centers where people can go and vote, uh, regardless of having to look up their ward voting locations? I don't think there have been any particular issues. Uh, people who have gone to the vote centers have been able to cast their vote in a timely manner. And then, like I said, with the lower voter turnout, we've not had long lines anywhere. Uh, voters have been able to get in and get out without difficulty. Um, so in that sense, it's turned out well. It's Like I said, it's disappointing. I think all elections, by and large, are local in the sense that these are local candidates and the decisions they make once we have the general municipal in April, will affect all of us as taxpayers uh, and as registered voters in the city of St. Louis. Plus, when we get to the April election, we'll also have candidates for the Board of Education. We'll have candidates for the uh, junior college district. We also also will have uh, several propositions on the ballot in April, including a proposition to establish a commission to review the city charter, a proposed marijuana sales tax proposal, as well as a special business district. So I think as a result of that, come April, we'll have a better voter turnout than we have today. Just the beginning. Gary Stoff, thank you so much. You're entirely welcome. Thank you, sir. Well, following up on a conversation we had yesterday, the feds give out a billion dollars out of five billion allocated in the bipartisan infrastructure package for airport terminals. Lambert Airport Director Rhonda Hamnabrigi, St. Louis is not on the list this time, but there are still opportunities ahead for the terminal rebuild. Rhonda? 
Yeah, there is. And so it's a five-year program, and that $5 billion is actually split among small, medium, and large hub airports. So for the medium hub airports, which is the category we fall in, there's about $250 million a year over those five years. And, um, you know, the first year we didn't apply because we knew we weren't we wanted to save it for the new terminal build, assuming we move the project forward. So uh, the second round was uh, last September you had to apply. We, we actually did apply for about $13 million. That was really for electrical work that would be used long-term uh, just to upgrade uh, some of the electrical here at the airport. Uh, that did not get approved in this second year of funding, which just came out this past week. Uh, the third year, uh, which we're coming up on, the funding will or the the applications will be required uh, probably by the end of September. On the applications, you have to be ready shovel ready basically so obviously at this point we weren't shovel ready uh, for the terminal so we'll see how we progress this year and look to really try and put something forward that has some real dollar value to it and hopefully be able to receive some of that either this year in year three or next year in year four and when it comes to the big project of uh, potentially building a new concourse, rebuilding a terminal, uh, and doing other uh, configuration changes, um, you know, some people think, well, where would St. Louis get the money for that? But these kinds of projects, the funding usually does come from the federal government and from users, the airlines and the ticket buyers. Yeah, I mean, there's most of the money from the federal government comes actually on the airfield side. So this is the first time that there's really been money available for terminal projects. So uh, we're excited that we happen to fall in this period where we hope to build this new terminal. So there should be some terminal funding there available, which, you know, really hasn't been there in the past. Albeit the amount is not significant, it does, you know, some of the projects and the medium hubs, you know, received 20 or $30 million this go around. So any of that money that can be used to fund uh, part of the new terminal would be a welcome. And where does the layout plan process stand right now? Right. So we, we completed the uh, layout plan, the master plan that was submitted back in draft form um, at the end of last year. Uh, one of the things that you have to do once your plan has been submitted is get approved for the, the NEPA or the environmental study. So we've been approved for that from the FAA. That process, just, process is just starting. That will take a look. Uh, on what is the environmental impact of this terminal build. So we are embarking on that process now. Uh, the FAA has 12 months to work with us to complete that process. During that time frame, we're also overlaying negotiations with all of our airline partners, uh, looking at what the new terminal would cost, obviously looking at uh, various funding options, whether there's, um, you know, federal money, state monies, and then, of course, you know, the monies that we can garner from a new terminal with additional revenues coming in because we create a lot more space for retail, a lot more space for concessions, we, a bigger garage, all of those bring additional revenues in to help offset that. And then, of course, um, through the rates and charges uh, that the airlines would be paying. So that's the process we're in now. Uh, I think, you know, there's a great desire by everybody, the community and the airlines, to move this forward. We just have to work through it and make sure that it's something that all the airlines will support at the end of the day. Talked to CBS News travel editor Peter Greenberg about, uh, among many things, Kansas City. A lot of St. Louisans are looking across the state uh, at the new terminal that just opened over there. Uh, and he said, I'll play this for you, he said he'll check it out. 
we always love Kansas City. You know why? It's always empty because they don't have enough originating traffic. Even air, airlines that tried to hub there didn't do well. So if they've opened up a brand new Kansas City airport, I'd fly there in a heartbeat because it is by definition uncrowded. But to, but to the fears that uh, a new terminal may take flights from St. Louis, he says because of that, it, that's not a concern. St. Louis is still the center. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. You know, a new terminal itself does not drive traffic. Demand is what drives traffic. So obviously we have a larger region. We do have a very, very strong business and leisure market out of St. Louis. Uh, and that's been great for us. So what a new terminal does uh, provide is efficiencies. Uh, you know, Kansas City Terminal, in my opinion, the old terminal was, was not functioning. Uh, and the lack of, uh, of concessions and, you know, multiple checkpoints throughout. I, I complain about four checkpoints. I don't know how many they had, probably ten separate checkpoints. So, you know, there, there's a lot of benefit to creating efficiencies and looking at how people are going to, you know, check in over the next decade, two decades, and all the things that are changing. But the terminal itself won't drive new traffic. That is going to be by demand, and we're fortunate here in that we have such a strong partner on the connecting traffic with Southwest. Uh, you know, our, benefit, our community benefits greatly because we get that Southwest connecting traffic flow through here. So about 35% of the Southwest market um, through here is now connecting, and that's really been able to bring additional flights into this community. So I don't look at Kansas City as a threat. Uh, while there's, you know, um, proud to see that we've got a new terminal on that side of the state, you know, and, and hope that we can follow behind them, it, it, they're not a threat to us. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Calhoun. Subscribe to the STL All Local Podcast on the Odyssey app.